Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 83 of the Restoring Report podcast. Super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, we're going to be reviewing an article by David Brooks today entitled The Crisis of Men and Boys. The name David Brooks might sound familiar to you if you listen to our episode review episodes. Actually, I did plural. Um, we did five episodes, I believe, on his article, The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. Highly recommend you reading that article and listening to the episodes we did on it to get access to the full uh, article review that I did, you'll have to subscribe to the show for $5 a month, uh, which is, if you ask me, obviously I'm totally, bi- totally biased, but I would say it's worth it <laughs> because I give you guys a lot of content, two episodes a week, and I, I really supporting things you care about, I think is a great principle to do. So if you enjoy listening to the show um, and you'd like to support the content that you care about, this is a great opportunity for you to do, to do so. Again, you can go to the link in our show notes, the subscribe link to subscribe to the show and get access to those five episodes on David Brooks' article. The article that we're going to be reviewing today, though, is entitled The Crisis of Men and Boys, which is right in line with this show's main kind of thesis vision uh, as a show for young believers pursuing the goal of marriage and family therapy or marriage and family. And also just for all of us who are Looking to prioritize relationship in a world of many distractions, guys. It is it is becoming harder and harder to do because there are so many things in our modern war- life full of technology and work demands and extracurricular extracurricular demands. There are so many things trying to compete for our time that often our most important assets, our most important priorities and values, can get neglected unless we consciously fight the demands that are being placed on us. So on this show, we're huge advocates of prioritizing your time um, with your family, prioritizing your friendships, your communities. And for young believers, which is the target audience of the show, we are super big into pursuing the goal of marriage, of healthy marriage and and a future family. So this is right in line with that, as you will no doubt see as we go on throughout the article. Again, the title of the article is The Crisis of Men and Boys. And often one of the reasons, guys, that our marriage numbers are falling today, less than half of adults in this country, ages 18 and older, are married. That's a statistical reality. Um, You know, we have the lowest, we have the highest age of marriage average than we've had, you know, 
probably ever, because uh, today in 1960, the average age of first marriage for men was 23 and for women it was 20. And today it's the average age of first marriage for men is 29 and for women it's 27. So we're pushing it back further and further into the future. We're waiting to get married for longer and longer and longer. And what's happening is because they are losing that vision, the vision of pursuing a healthy marriage for their future, they're kind of aimless. And they were really, we're seeing a generation of men and boys who really do not know what to chase. They don't know what to pursue. They don't know what they're doing with their life. They're basically sitting around with a lack of vision, a lack of direction, um, and a lack of motion. And that's because we've taken away the goal of marriage as a goal for them. So really, we're like, well, grow up and get a job, grow up and develop your career, grow up and pursue these things. And the boys are sitting there wondering, well, why, why do I want to pursue those things? Because originally, a long time ago, the answer to that question was, you want to pursue those things so that you can support a family and a wife. Now that we've taken away the goal of of a wife and a family, now that we've said, well, you can just do whatever you want. You don't have to get married. It's just an option. Boys are like, well, if I'm not doing it for a man and a wife, why am I doing it? What's the goal? Because let's face it, boys and girls, men and women, you don't pursue a career just for the career. Unless you're a a rare type of person who... um, is able to do exactly what you want in life, you know, unless you, unless there's a career that is, uh, directly in line and easily accessible that falls right in line with your, you know, your enjoyments, your hobbies. Uh, you don't, you don't pursue a career for that reason. You pursue a job, you get a job, you show up, you wake up in the morning early, you go to work, you stay there all day, eight hours, you make the money, you come home, you, you rest. And you do all, you go through all the hard stuff you do at work for a reason. That used to be why men did it. And the reason why men did it was because, a wife and children were worth it. And now that we've taken that goal away, boys are like, well, why do I want to do this hard stuff? Why do I want to go through this, this uncomfortable situation? Why do I want to go through this, um, th- these difficult things, right? So it's really time that we give men and boys the aim of marriage again. It's so important. I cannot understate that. But I also think in this article, The Crisis of Men and Boys, he's going to talk about the um, effect on young children that we have seen from fatherless homes. And we have, we have, uh, perpetuated that by making more and more fatherless homes by not giving boys father figures. And when boys don't have father figures, I imagine he's going to launch into a myriad of details about the terrible things that happen in the life of boys who, uh, do not have fathers and all the things that they are vulnerable to that they would otherwise not be if they had a present father. So really excited to get into this article. Again, it was written on September 29th of 2022, and the article is by David Brooks. He wrote this for the New York Times, and the title of the article is The Crisis of Men and Boys. Let's go ahead and get into it. If you've been paying attention to the social trends, you've probably, you probably have some inkling that boys and men are struggling in the U.S. and across the globe. They are struggling in the classroom. American girls are 14% points more likely to be school ready, quote unquote, than boys at five. Controlling for parental characteristics. By high school, two thirds of the students in the top 10% of the class ranked by GPA are girls, while roughly two thirds of the students at the lowest decile are boys. And that makes total sense to me as a public school teacher. I've noticed that girls are much more inclined as academics and much more inclined as students than boys. Boys are not um, cut out to be students on average. They are not on average cut out to be uh, to sit at a desk for eight hours a day and do nothing but paperwork. They're not cut out for that. The academic environment is not suited for boys. They can't move. They can't learn through exploration. They can't... um, 
engage in communication with their fellow boys. They can't engage in rough and tumble play. They can't learn through mistakes. It's not set up for them. They're, it's all Public school is all about control, confinement, and ap- academic learning. And that's not what boys are cut out to learn. Girls, on the other hand, are, find it much easier to sit in a seat for eight hours a day and uh, do nothing but schoolwork and you know talk quietly amongst their friends. Boys are learned are designed to learn through movement. They're designed to get up and tackle one another and play football and run as fast as they can and climb walls and jump off things. And that's just how they're set up biologically. That's how they're wired. So it, I can totally see why they're having a harder time in the classroom. Hi, guys. This is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. Continuing on in 2020 at the top at, at the 16 top American law schools, not a single one of the flag, flagship law receives reviews had a man as an editor-in-chief men are struggling in the workplace one in three american men with only a high school diploma 10 million men is now out of the labor force and again that is i would say due to the lack of direction and the lack of aim that we have for marriage the reason that men pursued and were willing to get a job and do all the hard things that is required of them in adulthood is because used to be because they had a wife and children to support and it was worth it to get up early as i said earlier and sh- and show up at a job to make money to support the wife and children because without supporting the wife and children you couldn't have them right and because it was so worth it it was so valuable it was such a beautiful thing to have a family and a wife that that men would go through things to, to go through uncomfortable things. They would do hard things. They would show up to work um, even when it was hard for them uh, because it was worth it. And now they don't have that goal. They don't have the goal of marriage and family. So it's like, what am I doing? Why do you want me to move out of my parents' basement? Why do you want me to move out of my parents' basement? It's costing me less money um, to live here, right? <laughs> and again, that that's another byproduct of removing the goal of marriage. If you're like, if you remove the goal of marriage and you remove the goal of family, then everyone is a permanent bachelor, Right. All these men and boys are permanent bachelors. So it's like they're of course, they're not going to be in any hurry to leave the home. It's more comfortable for them there. They had no reason to leave the comfortable lifestyle because they don't have the goal of marriage anymore. So I would again, guys, give them the goal of marriage. That is the solution to so many things uh, here. Continuing on, though. The biggest drop in employment is among young men ages 25 to 34. What a shocker. Right smack in the middle of the generation that is now not married less than half of adults guys i say that again less than half of adults ages 18 ages 18 and older are not married in this country men who this is david brooks speaking men who entered the workforce in 1983 will earn about 10 percent less in real terms in their lifetimes than those who started a generation earlier over the same period women's lifetime earnings have increased 33 percent pretty much all of the income gains that middle-class american families have enjoyed since 1970 are because of increases in women's earnings dang Men are so not men's earnings is basically what he's saying. Men's are also all, men are. By the way, if you get married, on average you make more money. That's also statistically true. Men who are married make more money on average. Um, so you know that's just another benefit of being married. It's just it just happens. That's just a the numbers are telling us truth, guys. Uh, men, this is David Brooks speaking here. Men are also struggling physically. Men account for the, for close to three out of every four deaths of despair, suicide, and drug overdoses. So my goodness, three out of every four are men. For every 100 middle-aged women who died of COVID up to, up to mid-September in 2021, there were 184 middle-aged men who died. Dang. So almost twice as many men died from COVID as women. Uh, Richard V. Reeves' new book of Boys and Men is a landmark, one of the most important books of the year, not only because it is a comprehensive look at the male crisis, but also because it searches for roots of that crisis and offers solutions. I learned a lot I didn't 
No. First, boys are much more hindered by challenging environments than girls. Girls in poor neighborhoods and unstable families may be able to climb their way out. Boys are less likely to do so. In Canada, boys born into the poorest households are twice as likely to remain poor as their female counterparts. In American schools, boys' academic performance is more influenced by family background than girls' performance. Boys raised in single parent by single parents have lower rates of college enrollment than girls raised by single parents. And again, I wouldn't say college enrollment is necessarily one of the best things we need to look at to determine the quality of life for our boys who are being raised without both parents in the home. I would say, let's look at health. Let's look at physical health. Are they healthier? Is their health suffering because they don't have two parents? Because I would say it guaranteed is. Um, how about their their outlook? Are they just sitting at home and having no vision? Do they ha- Do they not know what it means to be a father, a man, a husband? Because um, I guarantee you they haven't learned it from their dad. Obviously, he's not in the picture. So who are they learning it from? And if you're not learning how to be a healthy adult from somebody, you're not learning to be a healthy adult, period, which means you're not going to grow up to be a healthy adult. And you won't be able to teach the next generation at all um, how to be a healthy adult. So I would say that's something to look at. What about um, mental health? What about uh, rates of depression and anxiety? Is that affected by having, um, you know, one of your parents absent, specifically the father absent? Because I would say it absolutely is. You know, the rate of college enrollment is not something that I would say is the most important factor to consider um, when looking at how boys are affected by the absence of a father. I would say there are a lot more other important things, but I mean, it does say something, but I would say there are other more important things to look at. So this is David Brooks speaking, continuing on. Second, policies and programs designed to promote social mobility often work for women, but not men. Reeves, a scholar at the Brookings Institution, visited Kalamazoo, Michigan, I think, where it's just as MIS. M-I-C-H period, I think that's Michigan, where thanks to a donor, high school graduates get to go to many colleges in the state free. The program increased the number of women getting college degrees by 45%. Again, what a shock, guys. Like Men, even in their old age, their um, adulthood, are not set up to um, flourish in the academic environment as much as women are. I mean, it's as simple as things like women are better uh, with fine details and and using their hands for small things. Men are not like that. We're more gross motor. We're not fine motor. We're more kinesthetic. We're more movement oriented. Those things are not in school, right? We're more physical labor. We're more like um, getting our hands in the mud. Uh, None of that stuff is present in school, really. It's really more about um, it caters, education caters to the female strengths. And um, I would say, other things cater to the male strengths. But my point is that when you use college as the metric for measuring success for men and women, the men are not going to do better is what you ask. If you ask me, uh, that's just not going to be the case. Um, so he's saying the program increased the number of women getting into college degrees by 45% and the men's graduation rates remained flat. Reeves lists a whole series of programs from early childhood education to college support efforts that produced impressive gains for women, but did not boost men. And again, I would say, um, Maybe that has to do with the fact that men are not cut out for school, but um, there are probably other reasons for that as well. Um, at, at the school that I work at, I've noticed that their uh, early childhood education specifically is a female-dominated field. In fact, preschool teachers are the number one female-dominated job, female-dominated job of any occupation in this country. Did you know that it's like ninety-nine, or it's a very high nineties percent of women. I think it's even ninety, like ninety-eight or something, ninety-eight to ninety-nine. Check me on that, but I think it's ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent of preschool teachers are female. Um, and you know, I think that has a lot to do with just a female's innate biological wiring to uh, work with children. But also, I think that. Um, you know, you might have more male teachers if the training process had more to do with actually working with kids and less to do with paperwork and sitting through three-hour lectures. You know, that might have something to do with it. 
Um, cause again, guys are not cut out for, for school. There was nothing more torturous and miserable for me, um, in the economic, in the, sorry, in the educational environment than the way that my college was. Like I loved my student teaching when I actually got to interact with kids. For those of you who don't know, I am a licensed early childhood, um, teacher. And what, what I enjoyed about my college degree was my opportunities to work with kids because that's what I actually wanted to do. I did not want to sit through educational philosophy classes, uh, psychology classes, um, you know, teaching classes, how to teach. And really all that is is a bunch of lectures on uh, diversity and inclusion. That's all they talk about in college nowadays. It really, it, the educational atmosphere is not something that I enjoyed at all. And as a man, I think, based on what I noticed uh, that a lot of other men would not enjoy it either. So I'm saying, you know, and women too, but specifically men that I, I learned so much useless information in college. It has nothing to do with my actual field. It, most of the stuff that I did learn, I forgot immediately because it has no application in my life at all. Um, so I'm just shocked by the fact that we haven't realized that boys are not, um, they're not going to just continue to sit through stuff that doesn't do anything for them. And especially when it's uncomfortable for them, girls might do it if it, if they're comfortable, you know, being students, career students, or just pursuing, you know, eight years after of education post high school. But boys are not like that, you know, most of the time, I would say. Um, so that kind of explains a little bit of that. But continuing on here. Reeves has a series of policy proposals to address the crisis, but the most controversial of which is redshirting boys. Have have them begin their schooling a year later than girls. <laughs> have them begin their schooling a year later than girls. I can't believe he's saying this. That's just so funny to me because that they've it's like they people know the problem. They know we should not be sitting our five-year-old and six-year-old boys in a classroom for eight hours a day and demanding that they write stuff on a piece of paper when they should be outside running and throwing footballs. People know that we should not be doing that, and yet we do it anyway, so they come up with these solutions that don't really address the problem. They're like, oh, we'll just start them a year later, when in reality what we should do is, how about we just, how about if you have a classroom full of boys, you totally change the way learning happens. You go outside all morning. You play You play a game all morning that teaches some sort of principle or truth that they're going to need into adulthood. You know, there are ways to do it um, without, <laughs> without these things that I, I mean, I, I think it's a good idea to start kids later um, a little bit later in school, but I also think it's good. It's a better idea for them to get out earlier. Um, we, we go to school for way longer than we need to. I knew everything I needed to know um, as an adult. I knew that by like eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. Did not know most of high school was not something that I needed to know during my um, the, during my adulthood. The math that I learned in high school I've not used since high school. The science that I've learned in high school I have not used since high school. The history I've learned in high school was useful. I've used that to um, kind of develop my philosophy and polit politic political views and stuff like that. But um, most of the other stuff, the academic subjects that I learned in high school, I have not needed. And that I, you know, so in my adult life, which I would say is, is, uh, speaks to a reality there that we need to consider. But I would say, so I would say instead of just starting boys a year later, why don't we just make the school process, the graduating the school process earlier? So boys graduate at eighth grade or something instead of 12. And then after they graduate at eighth grade, we, we need to have them like in an apprenticeship position or something, learning from a, a master in a certain trade or something, um, so that they can spend several years learning that. Perhaps even getting paid, you know, if they're providing a value to their, their employer, 
And by that time, after they've passed that, that, those years or however long the mentor considers they need to practice, then they can be considered, you know, a new worker and they could immediately have a job, you know, because they can provide value. They've learned, um, something that they will use in their adulthood, you know, learning how to do, you know, algebra is probably not going to be valuable to you if, when you enter the workforce. Um, whereas if you've been learning for years, in, in your workforce, in the specific workplace that you're going to be working, that will provide value to you. You know, I say this all the time. If I had used my college years to enter the public school system and work with kids and learn from my mentor teachers there, I would immediately, I would be four years ahead of where I am now. I would be four years better a teacher. Um, so I just think that's a brilliant idea for boys particularly. And again, giving them the goal of marriage and family that as the reward for why they do hard things, why they get out of the home, why they do enter a career even though they might not want to, even though it might be hard, why, why they get up and go to a workplace, a job, um, when they might not want to. Again, the goal there is marriage and family. So continuing on here, Reeves has a series of policy proposals to address this, the most controversial controversial of which is redshirting boys, having them begin their schooling a year later than girls, because on average, the prefrontal cortex and the cerebellum, which are involved in the self-regulation, mature much earlier in girls than in boys. <laughs> As if that's the reason to, do, to hold boys back earlier. It's just so funny to me that people... Uh, some of these people you can tell are not teachers. They don't understand what it's like um, for kids to be sitting in the classroom this long. They're like, well, it must be because their cerebral cortex and their cerebellum is um, underdeveloped compared to girls. That's that's why boys are having a hard time in class. No, it's because boys aren't designed to sit in a class for eight hours a day. That's why they're having a hard time in class. Um, but continuing on here, there are many reasons men are struggling. For example, the decline in manufacturing jobs that put a high value on physical strength and the rise of service sector jobs. But I was struck by the theme of demoralization that wafts through the book. Reeves talked to men in Kalamazoo about why women were leaping ahead. The men said that women were more motivated, worked harder, and plan, plan ahead better. Yet this is not a matter of individual responsibility. There is something in modern culture that is producing this aspiration gap. Many men just seem less ambitious. College women are roughly twice as likely to enroll in study abroad programs as men. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. College women are roughly twice as likely to enroll in study abroad programs as college men. In 2020, amid COVID, the decline in college enrollment for male students was seven times that of female students. As Reeves puts it, it is not that men have fewer opportunities, it is that they are not taking them. And again, I would say why the reason that they are not taking them, one of the reasons is they have not they have not learned how to be an adult from a father figure. Number two, they have not been given a goal that is worth something to them, so they're not getting off their butt. Right? If you don't have something to work for, you're not going to do hard things. Women um maybe perhaps are better at men at getting an intrinsic reward from their work. Perhaps that's it. I don't know, but I'm saying that giving men the goal, the reward of marriage, the value of marriage, the aim, the direction of marriage gives them the strength to do hard things, right? Gives them the strength to push through. Um, goodness. And really the same for women, but I'm specifically addressing men today. When you take away the aim of a man, he immediately becomes... Uh, very self-destructive. He doesn't push himself in any capacity and therefore he does not grow. He does not challenge himself so he does not become stronger. Uh, he does not move so he does not make anything of himself and develop as a healthy adult. When you remove the aim, when you remove the goal, when you remove the reward, when you remove the carrot from the stick, you're going to see men 
having a harder time. And really, that's a true principle even for women, too. It's just that the carrot, quote unquote, the figurative carrot for men and women is different, right? The figurative carrot for men and women is different, and the, the carrot for males has been removed. The goal of marriage, a sexual relationship with a woman, um, carrying on a legacy to the next generation via children, uh, that has been kind of removed as a goal. The, the culture is now just saying, well, that's not, that's really just one of many options. Do whatever you want. You don't have to do that. Um, so men are like, well, yeah, I, yeah, I'm on board with that. Men, marriage sucks and children are, children are trash and all this. But what's my other goals? What are my other options? What are my other rewards? <laughs> so they're really lacking purpose and that lack of purpose is causing them to not have, not really push themselves is what I would say. But um, continuing on with the article here, more men are leading haphazard and lonely lives. Roughly 15% of men say they have no close friends, up, up from 3% in 1990. I mean, that's a, that's 20, that's almost 30, that's 30 years, and we've only moved up 3% there. I don't see that as that disturbing. But one in five fathers doesn't live with his children. That's for sure disturbing. In 2014, more young men were living with their parents than a wife or a partner. Again, the reason there is because you've removed the marriage as the goal for young men. I've said that like 15 times. I know I'm harping on that, but guys, it really does devastate men, particularly when we do not have the goal of marriage. It really does. Um, so, uh, again, 2014, it, more young men were living with their parents than a wife or partner. Again, why would you move out of, move out of your house if you're not moving out for something that you want to do? If you don't want to get married, if you, if that's been swept away from your mind as a goal, um, you know, why separate from mother and father and cleave to spouse? You have nothing to cleave to. Why leave your parents' house when, and, you know, take on rent of your own <laughs> it's just common sense guys continuing on apparently even many who are married are not ideal mates wives are twice as likely to initiate divorces as husbands hmm. i come away with the impression that many men are more like what dean atkinson said about britain after world war ii they have lost an empire but not yet found a role many men have an obsolete ideal being a man means being the main breadwinner for your family. They then they can't meet that ideal. Demoralization follows, or they're just not trying to be a breadwinner. This is Seth Hensley speaking. They're just not trying to be a breadwinner. They're not, you know, trying to provide for a family. They're throwing their marriage and their family out the window entirely as a goal, and they're just pursuing pleasure or an exciting time in their thirties or whatever as their new goal. And you know that's not going to lead to satisfaction. That's you can do that from your parents' basement. <laughs> Just make money and go party, you know? I mean, it's just stupid, guys. You, when you remove the goal of marriage and family as a stable goal for young men, bad things happen. Ambition, this is David Brooks speaking, ambition doesn't just happen, it has to be fired. The culture is still searching for a modern masculine ideal. It is not instilling in many boys the nurturing and emotional skills that are so desperately important today. It, and again, he's saying culture is not instilling that, and he's blaming culture. What he should be doing is blaming the lack of fathers in the home, blaming the lack of strong families, blaming the lack of family idealism, as the cause for boys growing up the way they are, he just said, again, I read it to you, quote, culture is still searching for a modern masculine ideal. It is not instilling in many boys the nurturing and emotional skills they are so desperately, that are so desperately important today. Again, I read that to you, quote, the culture is still searching for a modern masculine ideal. That's the father, duh. That's the father and the husband, duh. Continuing on with Brooks' article here, it, speaking of the culture, is not instilling in many boys the nurturing and emotional skills that are so desperately important today. It's not the culture's job. It is the father and the husband's job. It is not the culture's job 
is the husband and the father's job. When you get rid of the family, when you get rid of the husband, husbands and fathers and brothers and male role models, and then blame the culture for not instilling the correct values and morals and ideals into the minds of our young boys, you are totally misdiagnosing the problem. The problem originated when the families broke apart. You have to reprioritize, reinvest in the family if you would like to fix the underlying problem. You can attack the culture ideology all you want. You can attack, you can blame culture for the place that our boys find themselves in today all you want. You can come up with as many programs as you want, government programs, charities, ministries, you can come up with as many of them as you want, but you're treating a reoccurring chronic illness because you are not going to the root, and the root is family. Continuing on here, ambition doesn't just happen. It has to be fired. The culture is still searching for a modern masculine ideal. It is not instilling in many boys nurturing and emotional skills that are so desperately important today. A system that labels more than a fifth of all boys as developmentally disabled is not instilling in them a sense of confidence and competence. Again, you should be getting your sense of confidence, competence, purpose, vision, mission, aim, direction from your fathers and your husbands, from your families, from your communities, not the culture. It is not the public school's job to give you those things. It is not college's job to give you those things. It is not the government's job to give you those things. It is not ministry, church ministry's job to give you those things. It is the families. You have to go back to that. And that's something that I'm not seeing David Brooks address here. So I'm really, I feel like he's he's diagnosing the problem and missing the solution entirely. Um, but continuing on here, masculinity has gone haywire, David Brooks says. Reverting to pseudo-macho cartoons like Donald Trump and Josh Hawley doesn't help. Again, what does that have to do with anything? He's blaming uh, pseudo-macho cartoons <laughs> for the for the place that our boys find themselves in today. He's, he's blaming literally everything but the family for the actual problem that is caused by the absence of family. Uh, it's just so disturbing to me. He, we really need to understand that the reason boys have a hard time today primarily has to do with our misunderstanding of their nature and the absence of a healthy family that they need to grow up in. Okay? So that is the end of the article here. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. If you've, if you've gotten something from it, if it's ministered to your spirit or giving you insight into the current condition of the younger generation, reach out and let me know what you thought of the episode through the link in the show notes. You can click that link and send me a message, a recorded message in your own voice. I love to hear those more than I like to get um, messages on social media because it makes me very feel very connected to my audience, as I've told you guys before. So please, 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 if you enjoy this show, send me a message. Tell me what you think of the show, how it's impacted you. Just say thank you for making it. Whatever you want to say, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can tell me your story. Love to hear from you there. Also, if you are, in, are interested in social media content, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Restoring the Poor. We post regularly there uh, quotes pertaining to marriage and family and health. So thank you guys so much for listening today, and we will talk to you next time.